Well, I'm going to come today to Genesis 44 and uh, what we've entitled Steps to Freedom. There are some components that I think you can find from the story that are still contemporary to us in terms of how we choose to live or can live our life in Christ <clears throat> from a position of freedom and not bondage or slavery. Um, when, when relationships get fractured, um, they leave marks and they leave memories. And those unresolved uh, memories can keep popping up and have an impact on current relationships. If we don't know how to, if we haven't learned how to resolve issues in the past, <clears throat> We're going to be living a life that essentially is going to be in bondage the rest of our life. And from the story here in Genesis 44 and in a few verses of chapter 45, I want to pull some of the principles uh, from Joseph's journey <clears throat> in dealing with family stuff uh, from, from his, his uh, uh, part of the trip. So Genesis 44, I'm going to read the first uh, 16 verses and then jump to the first three verses of chapter 45. So follow along with me. Now Joseph gave these instructions to the, to the steward of his house. Fill the men's sacks with as much food as they can carry. Put each man's silver in the mouth of, the sack, of his sack. Then put my cup, the silver one, in the mouth of the youngest one's sack, along with the silver for his grain. And he did as Joseph said. Morning dawn, the men sent on their way with their donkeys. They had not gone far from the city when Joseph said to his steward, Go after these men at once, and when you catch up with them, say to them, Why have you repaid good with evil? Isn't this the cup my master drinks from and also uses for divination? This is a wicked thing you have done. <clears throat> when he caught up with them, he repeated these words to them. But they said to him, why does my Lord say such things? Far be it from your servants to do anything like that. We even brought back to you from the land of Canaan the silver we found inside the mouths of our sacks. So why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If any of your servants is found to have it, he will die. And the rest of us will become my Lord's slaves. Very well, then, he said, let it be as you say. Whoever is found to have it will become my slave. The rest of you will be free from blame. Verse 11. Each of them quickly lowered his sack to the ground and opened it. Then the steward proceeded to search, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack, the youngest. At this, they tore their clothes. Then they all loaded their donkeys and returned to the city. Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in, and they threw themselves to the ground before him. Joseph said to them, What is this you have done? Don't you know that a man like me can find things out by divination? What can we say to my lord? Judah re replied. What can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. 
We are now, my Lord's slaves, we ourselves, and the ones who, uh, who was found to have the cup. Now, chapter 45, first three verses. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence? So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Um, I'm just going to pick those two pieces of, of the portion of Scripture. Um, Jesus taught or said in, in the Gospel of John that he said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free, will set you free. Uh, too often in life, people spend much of their time hiding from the truth. <clears throat> we do everything we can to avoid it. We, we color it. We try to, to uh, minimize it, redefine it. And they do so, we do so likely because the truth at times can be painful for us. It can, it can cause uh, discomfort in our heart, in our journey. It can contribute to uh, a kind of a being ill at ease in relationships with other people because that truth has a way of uh, bringing to life issues that we need to deal with and resolve. But living in freedom is where the Father wants us to be, not people who live in bondage, as Jesus would say. <clears throat> so when we get to this story, there are some things I think that occur that will help us deal with steps to freedom. There, and there are primarily three words that we're going to focus on today. And, and I really have to encourage you to find a place where you can drill down on these three words and then try to plug them into any relationships that are unresolved, any things that have gone on. And I know along the way, either with family or church family or community-related things, maybe even work-related things, there are things that occur that put us at odds with one another. We get out of sorts. We bend and fracture our relationships. And so the words that we use today are important words, some of which come from the story here with Joseph. So the first step I would suggest is this, and here's the word. The first step involves confession. Confession. Genesis 44 and verse 16, the last verse we read from that portion, says, Judah says, what shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how can we clear ourselves? God has found out the guilt of your servants. The thing that Judah expresses there was not guilt for having taken a cup. It was going back to the whole business with Joseph in the first place. It was going back to him and the decision by the brothers because of their hatred of Joseph to put him in a pit, to bloodstain the coat of many colors, to try to make the case that he had died, and ultimately then to 
choose to change course and sell him to uh, slave traders heading down to Egypt. <clears throat> That's the issue that causes the guilt in these brothers, and, and their, their assessment is, God has found out the guilt of your servants. One of the things that God allows us to do is experience the, the trauma of guilt in order that we might come to the place of freedom and peace that comes in Jesus Christ. If you, uh, we, we kind of broke into the story again. At the end of chapter 44, they were feasting, they were drinking, they were, they, they were making good connection. But now the banquet's over and it's time for the brothers to head back to Canaan. And before the brothers leave, Joseph has his steward have a, hide a silver cup in the bag that belonged to Benjamin, all part of this plan. And after they leave, then he sends the steward to stop them, to accuse them of stealing the silver cup. The, the brothers deny. They're, they're flabbergasted. They can't believe that such accusation would come. And, and they make, the, the, <laughs> be careful what you say, uh, they make this promise that if any man is found with a silver cup, he will die. Well, fortunately, the steward doesn't go that far. He kind of backs it, dials it back a bit. And, of course, in the story, uh, the cup is found right where it was put in the back, in the, in the sack of, of Benjamin, his bag. So in the storm of life where we experience um, tough spots and we come to a point where there's a moment when truth has to come out, um, what occurs here, the truth comes from the mouth of Judah. Speaking for all the brothers, he admits their guilt. <clears throat> it's interesting uh, when you talk about the irony of the story. <clears throat> when Joseph was sold to the, to the slave traders, he was sold for silver, monetary gain. When, when it comes around again, I think Joseph is very aware that it was silver that got Judah and the others into trouble. We're going to get a little bit of silver to bring around an awareness of their guilt and, and, and hopefully make some, some changes. Judah's confession has two elements to it that I think relate to confession. First is an admission of guilt. We will do anything we can to avoid saying we're guilty. When... Uh, Well, okay, so, so uh, several weeks ago we had you pray <clears throat> for a nephew of mine who was involved in an automobile accident, uh, a car was totaled, he fortunately survived, um, injuries that apparently are going to remediate okay without a lot of surgical intervention, and he had surgery for a, a split in the skull that was open right all from ear to ear. Okay, so he survived that. When I was talking with my brother and said, well, I'm certain there's going to be charges that are going to be brought um, for whatever. And he said, yeah, there were three. And he listed them off to me, you know, reckless endangerment and driving without a seatbelt and whatever else it was. Um, he, sa he said it was interesting. He said the state policeman wanted to work and try, try to help uh, John's son, 
and uh, try to go easy on him. I'm not sure if that's always the best thing to do, but, but he decided to do that. He said, now when you get these, these summonses and these charges, I want you to plead not guilty. And then uh, that will result in a reduced sentence. We'll, we'll, we'll barter it down, if you will. We'll reduce it down so it won't be quite as bad rather than pleading guilty. And I thought, well, okay, was he guilty of those things? Sure, he was. Uh, why would you choose to plead not guilty? Be I, I understand in terms of the, the system, but we we are we are really people who try to avoid being not guilty. We we don't want to be guilty. We want to avoid that. We want to keep away from. It. But an admission of guilt is an important step in this first process of confession. This first step in admission of guilt. Um, the prodigal son goes away from the father. He comes back to the father after he's spent everything he had. And his language is, Father, I have sinned. In essence, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. The sooner you and I can come to the personal ownership of guilt is the first step to lead us to a path of freedom. And until we deal with that issue of I'm guilty, not my brother, not my sinner, not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. When it becomes my issue and I own it, that part of the admission is an important step. The second part of this first step of confession is an acknowledgement of God. That was the language of verse 16. God has found out the guilt of your servants. And whenever, whenever we are found guilty in, in this vertical relationship, it's going to be a God thing. When God puts his finger on something that we have done that has alienated our relationship to him, that has altered that, he puts his finger on that and says, this is the area you need to look at. This is the area you need to deal with. And so that's where we get that first step in dealing with confession. And uh, as we heard earlier, uh, we were talking about how uh, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession is the first step. And, and literally that word means to speak the same thing, to agree with. No longer are we arguing with God and saying, well, I don't think that's all that bad. And I know some other people in the church that have done something even worse than that. It, it's, it's not a matter of what anybody else has done. It's about what have I done and how will I handle that and what will I choose to do in terms of confession. That's the first step. The brothers have been sick with the guilt of their sin for a long time, and keeping it secret has kept them in bondage for many years. Now God has found it out, and they have come to the first step of confession. Judah expresses that for the brothers. There's a second step. The second step is repentance. It's repentance. If we have confession as a starting point, it has to move to this next piece, which is repentance. 
In chapter 44, we didn't go quite this far, but if you look down to verse 33, the language of it puts it this way. Now then, please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in the place of the boy and let the boy return with his brothers. Let the boy go back with his brothers. There needed to be a change of direction, a change of mind. In, in verses 18 and, and down through verse uh, 34, that whole piece, Judah's making an, an individual speech in the book of Genesis in which he pleads that they be allowed to take Benjamin back home to Canaan. You recall in the story how, how Jacob had said, I, I don't want to send Benjamin. And then suddenly Jacob has this change of heart at the end of the story and, and allows him to come And His worst nightmare happens. At the end, Jude offers himself as a replacement for Benjamin. In the New Testament, the word translated repent literally means a change of mind, a change of mind. It's a change of direction. Uh, <laughs> you're walking this way, and you I had one fellow describe, he says, and you make a 360-degree turn and go on the other way. Well, it's not quite exactly. You need 180 degrees to get you going the other way. But it was a thoroughness of change that the guy was thinking of at that point in time. It, it's some, but sometimes that change of mind is easier said than done. And so there's a kind of loyalty test that pops up here. And the question is this, do you love your brother more than yourself? In the old days, the brothers would have abandoned Benjamin. They would have just and let him go as a slave in Egypt. But it's changed now. There's a change that's gone on. The, the acknowledgement and the ownership of confession of sin, that was the first good progress. But now this change in terms of repentance and a change of mind. So they're not going to leave Benjamin in Egypt. They'll not abandon their brother in his hour of need. They're, they're a family now. They, they're, 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 uh, we would call them a band of brothers. Literally, they were. They're pulled together. Once a team of rivals, now they are that band of brothers. And, and something has happened. I, I guess I best describe it as grace has done a deeper work in them, and they're about to be able to set free, to be set free. Now, there's a phrase that I'm going to use, and you've got it up there. If I'm going to be set free, something has to change in me, inside me, and it's got to always be personal change. Now, I'm not talking about trying to do better. I'm not trying, not try, um, try... <laughs> We, 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 use, we use that phrase. We say, well, I'll try. And it's, in, in, uh, if, I was, if I was Yoda in the swamp talking to Luke Skywalker, I would say, try, no, do, yes, or whatever, something like that, whatever the language of the character would be. Uh, either do or don't. We're, we're sometimes we fall short when we just give it to try. But, but something has to really change inside of us. And change doesn't always come easily and readily. We, 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 we are the way we are, and sometimes we don't like change. You know, and that comes, the older you get, the worse it gets, it seems like. You don't like, you know, uh, the latest thing that's the burr under the saddle for my wife is the change in Facebook. 
and you can't, where's the old Facebook thing, you know, and you had to find the old setting, and I don't know, I don't go on Facebook, so I, I depend upon her to tell me what's going on in the world from the Facebook world perspective of things. But sometimes the change, we don't like change. You like the way it was. But in order for us to move from confession into repentance, there's something that has to change inside of us, and it has to be in me. So how do we, how do we plug this in where we're at? You'd find that relationship. Just come before the Father and say, Father, are there, are there people that, that, that are, I'm in relationship with where things aren't right? And, and what are the things that are not right? Show me that. And when he brings truth to us, when God finds out what the issue is and we, it comes to us, then he'll, he'll bring that truth to us, painful as it may be, he'll bring that truth to us and we say, okay, now what am I, I going to do with that truth? Well, you spoke in harshness. You were critical. You, you, you presumed something. And there may be things that you need to deal with or handle at that point. So you move and you agree with that in confession. And you say, Father, I, there needs to be a change. There are some things that have to happen. And that's a process for two steps that lead us to a third step that is an important piece. And that is the step of reconciliation. There's got to be a change in me that now begins to go and deal with the issue in terms of trying to bridge the gap and get relationship back in, in store. And in chapter 45, you have that principle established. We read Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood before him or by him. He cried, make everyone go out. He stayed with him. Uh, so no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He wept aloud. You heard that all through the, the, the house of Pharaoh. And Joseph says to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. When you read through the rest of the chapter 45, you get the fuller picture of Joseph really trying to make the case. Yes, this really is me. And the brothers are now at a point where they have to deal with the, the very real issue of, of, of con not only confessing their sin, not only getting to a place of repenting of that, but now they've got to do the hard work of reconciliation. And I don't know which one would have had the harder work to do. If it would have been Joseph having to forgive his brothers for all the, the stuff that they did to him that led down this pathway, or if it would have been the brothers living with all of this guilt from the past and, and thinking that their brother Joseph is dead. I don't know. I suppose both have some portion to deal with in terms of this whole issue of reconciliation. It would be the biggest aha, surprise moment that you could imagine. Uh, on one side of the ledger, you have the fact that Judah was the one who said, let's make some money by selling Joseph to the Midianites. You also have... A, a, a rather sordid affair in Genesis 38 with Tamar. And on the plus side, Judah makes the impassioned speech in Genesis 44 and pleads that Benjamin not be left behind in Egypt. That was the final proof to Joseph 
that his brothers had truly repented. So you have confession, you have uh, repentance, and now in the first part of that 45th chapter and then through the remainder of the story, uh, in chapter 45, you have this reconciliation and they, they're able to, to make ends meet. They make amends, rather. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot in the story that is left out. There were probably some extra words that had to be dealt with. Uh, they were probably, how could you? Why would you? There's probably a lot of the stuff there yet. But in that, uh, they were able to come to a point where now they are free to be family again, free to be together again in this whole process. No longer do they need to be living in, in, uh, in different spots. Uh, God certainly had been good to Joseph. And, and in one sense, if those hard spots had not occurred, Joseph would not be where he was in the superintending sovereign work of God. But, but that doesn't mean we'd wish that on anybody, but just God has ways of working through even those hard spots. Um, I, I believe that we are to be people who follow the John 8.32 principle that, that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free, shall make you free. Another portion of scripture says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And I believe that's where he longs for us to live. We all need to be set free as Joseph's brothers were set free. And the path to freedom is the same for us as it was for them. If we're willing to face the truth about our sin and our disobedience, if we're willing to confess and repent of our sins, if we will give up our anger and our excuses, then at last we will be set free to love one another in the family context here especially. It's, it's going to be painful to move to freedom. Certainly won't be convenient. But there's nothing like the feeling of freedom from bondage. And the words of Martin Luther King just kind of ring around. Uh, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty we are free at last. Over the course of, of ministry, we've had interesting opportunities to walk with people through the hard work of coming to freedom. And it, it's not always pretty. Sometimes there are words that still have to be worked on in our relationships where, where things are still not at a place of peace. But it involves the, the choice to ask for and seek forgiveness. It involves the choice to forgive the other person. And it's not always easy. We somehow, some, I don't know why it is, but we always feel like we want to hold on to something. I'm sure it's an issue of control. We always want to hold on to something because if we can hold on to that, it may give us a sense of, I can still control that person. I can still have uh, my, my freedom intact if I can just hold on to a little bit, my sense of identity. And, and, but, but there have been times where we've had to sit down and, and do the face-to-face, -face, have what one writer called those crucial conversations uh, that need to happen in order that they get to the point where there's freedom at last. 
and there's nothing like it. It's like, you know, we talk about the feeling we have, uh, we, we call catharsis, when you just kind of like, you know, you feel that emotional relief. And when that happens, there's nothing like that. That peace of God that passes all understanding can minister to us and then enable us to live better, live wiser, live well in our walk and talk with other people. So steps to freedom, confession, repentance, reconciliation are the three words. Now the homework for you, for me, is to simply be honest enough and, and courageous enough to come before the Father and say, Father, are there are there things that you would bring to my mind that need to be resolved? And a, a, a church will need to do that from time to time because a church that lives together in community and people part of that community can have things that happen. You've probably had your share of things here over the course of years. But... but are there things that God would bring to the surface that say this was something that was not done right? It may be a corporate thing. It may be a personal thing. There may be some things that need to corporately be confessed by this church that, that might have been relationships that have fractured or people that were wounded because of action, because you choose to take a side on something. And it was not a matter of right or wrong, but just preference. And yet sometimes those things alienate. And so you got to walk through that. That's on a corporate level. On a personal level, it just works in a family kind of thing the same way. So what am I willing to do? Am I willing to follow the steps? Confess and repent and then experience reconciliation. That's Those are the steps. And it, it, it doesn't make... It, it doesn't make a difference what the context is, whether it's work-related or church-related or family-related. The steps are always the same. Those three pieces always are the building blocks of moving on to freedom. So that's where we are. That's where we need to be. Next week, we're going to come back to Joseph one more time and in the 45th chapter and hopefully be captured by a view of God. How is it that, where's God in this whole process? What is Joseph's perception of his God in the midst of all of this? And we'll come uh, to that next week. So uh, if you're choosing to be with us and the Lord willing, we're all here, or some segment of us are here, uh, or whatever it may be, then, then we're, that's where we're going to go. That's where we're going to go and take a look at next week for a view of God. Um, the danger of dealing with something like this is we say, okay, uh, that's right. Uh, yeah, three steps, you know, confession, repentance, reconciliation. Yeah, I ought to do that. Sometime I'll do that. And we say, some more convenient day on the alcohol. And uh, my challenge to you and to those that would listen to this online, is to find the place, take the time, make the time, to just kind of ask the Father, what's going on? Anything in my world that we need to give attention to and follow the steps to freedom? So there's your homework. Let's pause for prayer. Father, you know our needs, and... Uh, we're asking you for courage and grace to find the place where this can be applied in our own worlds. 
our own journey along the way. And if we've done well in finding freedom from the bondage of bruised and battered and broken relationships, then we are grateful for that because it's all about you. It's all about your great grace. But if you bring something to our mind this week, help us to be quick to hear, quick to act, and attentive to the voice and whispers of God. Thank you for what you will do. Bless, I pray, each one who hears this message today and those who will listen in days ahead. Thank you that there is forgiveness with you. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. May we be people who live in the delight and pleasure of God and find freedom in our Christ. Thank you for what you'll do. We bless your name today. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen and amen.